My Govanen Melonin, and thanks for tuning in to Speak, Friend, and Enter Deep Lore. This is where I try to make the dense and lofty stories in the Silmarillion more accessible so nerds and non-nerds alike can fully enjoy them. Last time, we talked about the Ainalindale, where the universe was created, and the furnishing of Middle-earth, where some of the Valar and Maiar entered Arda to make it ready for the coming of elves and men. Today, we're going to discuss the Valaquenta, the account of the Valar and Maiar, and we'll learn about some of the heaviest hitters in Tolkien's Legendarium. Manway, as mentioned in the last Deep Lore episode, is the leader of the Valar. He is described as being dearest to Iluvatar, and he understands most clearly Iluvatar's purposes. Most of the Valar have more than one name, and Manway's second name is Sulamo, Lord of the Breath of Arda. Manway's wife is Varda, V-A-R-D-A, Lady of the Stars. Where Manway takes joy in the winds and the clouds of Arda, Varda loves light most of all. Her beauty is impossible to describe because the light of Ilúvatar lives in her face. Varda is the one Melkor fears most of all. The Valaquenta says Melkor she knew from before the making of the music and rejected him, and he hated her. So even in Tolkien's legendarium, poopy incels have existed since before the concept of time. When Manway and Varda are together, they are incredibly powerful. They live together on the tallest tower on the tallest mountain in Arda, Oyalose upon Tanaquetil, and when they stand together, he can see through mist and darkness and across the sea, and she can hear most everything in Middle-earth down even into the dark places that Melkor carved. The Valaquenta says of Varda, of all the great ones who dwell in this world, the elves hold Varda most in reverence and love. Elbereth they name her, and they call upon her name out of the shadows of Middle-earth and uplift it in song at the rising of the stars. You've heard of Varda, though not by that name. Another two of her names are Elbereth, or Queen of the Stars, and Gilthoniel, or Star Kindler, because she took the light of one of the two trees of Valinor, a lot more on them later, and placed it in the sky, creating the stars. When the elves finally awaken, the first thing they see is the stars, so they revere the star maker. In fact, the elves say that they awoke the moment after Varda placed the stars in the sky, which she had done because she didn't want them to awaken in darkness. Audrey mentioned her in the first Deep Lore episode, although I don't think she knew it. When I name-dropped the Ainalindale, the music of the Ainor, she guessed that it was the beautiful song that Frodo and Sam hear a group of traveling elves sing in a deleted scene in Fellowship of the Ring. This song is a hymn to Elbereth or Varda. The song, called Passing of the Elves, takes its lyrics from a song by Tolkien, and the music was composed by Plan 9. Some lyrics to this song are as follows. In Sindarin, which is 99% likely the language you're thinking of when you think of Elvish. A Elbereth Gilthoniel menechenim sidertiel nechairad hen nu aladath ngilithora nunayarath. Translated into English, that's, O Elbereth Gilthoniel, we still remember, we who dwell in this far land beneath the trees, thy starlight on the western seas. So, elves are deeply into Varda. Our next Vala is someone else we talked about in the last Deep Lore episode, Olmo. He's the one who loves the water and was most deeply instructed by Iluvatar in music. When he's introduced in the Valaquenta, we're told Olmo is the lord of waters. He is alone. Which is rough! 
and it points back at my thesis of sorrow being so connected to water and living within it. The musical Water Lord lives alone. Despite being alone and being kind of a spooky, terrifying ocean man because the sea is treacherous, Olmo loves elves and men. At times, he will come unseen to the shores of Middle-earth and there make music upon his great horns, and those to whom that music comes hear it ever after in their hearts, and longing for the sea never leaves them again. But mostly, Olmo speaks to those who dwell in Middle-earth with voices that are heard only as the music of water. We also spoke last time about our next guy, Aule, who has lordship over all the substances of which Arda is made. That is, he's the smith of the Valar, master of all crafts. In contrast to Melkor's jealousy of other people's works, Aule both seeks and gives counsel when it comes to craftsmanship. Eventually, Aule will create the race of dwarves, and we'll talk about that later. Aule's wife is Yavanna, Y-A-V-A-N-N-A, the giver of fruits, also called Kementari, queen of the earth. She loves all things that grow in the earth, plants and animals of all shapes and sizes. Some there are who have seen her standing like a tree under heaven, crowned with the sun, and from all its branches there spilled a golden dew upon the barren earth, and it grew green with corn. She will go on to create the two trees of Valinor, and even later the Ents, in order to protect her beloved trees from the axes of her husband's dwarves. The next two Valar are brothers, Namo and Irmo, though they are usually called after the places where they live, so you're more likely to hear them referred to as Mandos and Lorien. Mandos is the keeper of the Houses of the Dead. He has more knowledge than any of the Valar. He never forgets anything, and he knows everything that will come to pass, except those things that are known only to Iluvatar. His wife is Vaire the Weaver, she weaves tapestries that portray everything that has ever happened, and these tapestries cover the halls of Mandos. Mandos's brother Lorian is the master of visions and dreams. His garden is known to be the most beautiful place in Arda. It's said that when Galadriel came to rule Lothlorien and grew her Malorn trees there, she modeled the forest after Lorian in Valinor. Lorian's wife is Este, E-S-T-E-Umlaut, the Gentle. She sleeps all day, only wears gray, and heals people's hurts, so I find her to be the most relatable Vala. Both elves and Valar alike will come to the gardens of Lorien to rest and refresh themselves and ease their sorrows. Mandos and Lorien are called the Feanturi because both of them have dominion over the spirit or Fea, whether it's watching over the souls of the dead or helping to heal the souls of the living. Our next person of interest is someone else we've talked about before, Niena, N-I-E-N-N-A, who we called the therapist of the Valar. Just like Olmo, she is described in the Valaquenta this way. Mightier than Este is Niena, sister of the Feanturi. She dwells alone. She mourns for all the grief in Arda, and those who listen to her learn pity and hope. So it's probably not a surprise that when he lived in Valinor as the Maya named Olorin, Niena's most notable pupil was Gandalf. The strongest of the Valar is Tulkas, T-U-L-K-A-S, who is also called Astaldo the Valiant. He's the jock of the Valar, but in like a cheerful Chris Hemsworth and or Evans way. 
He doesn't ride a horse because he is faster than anything in the world and never gets tired. His hair and beard are golden and his flesh ruddy. His weapons are his hands. He has little heed for either the past or the future and is of no avail as a counselor, but is a hardy friend. Tolkas's wife is Nessa, N-E-S-S-A, the dancer. Honestly, Tolkas doesn't play a huge role in the Silmarillion and Nessa plays an even smaller one. She loves deer and they love to run with her and she dances in the greenery and that's all we know. Orome, O-R-O-M-E umlaut, is the hunter. He is described as being less strong than Tolkas, but more dreadful in anger. He loves to hunt monsters and Melkor's fell beasts and he delights in horses and hounds. He loves Middle-earth and is always reluctant to return to Valinor. Orome's wife is Vanna, V-A-N-A, the ever-young, and Yavanna's younger sister. Just as with Nessa, we know comparatively little about her. Like Yavanna, she has influence over the flora and fauna of Middle-earth, but it seems that her domain is mostly over flowers. In some less-than-canonical sources, she's described as dressing herself in flowers and having the beauty of both heaven and earth upon her face and in all her works. Eight of the Valar are known as the Aratar, the High Ones, namely Manwe and Varda, the ultimate power couple, Olmo, the lonely wet guy, Yavanna and Aule, the hippies, Mandos, the master of the dead, Nienna, the therapist, and Orome, the hunter. Tolkien makes a point of saying that although Manwe is the king of the Valar, these eight are all of equal majesty. So those are the Valar, and now we'll discuss the Maiar. They're described as being of the same order as the Valar, but of less degree. So they're still super powerful beings of thought and light, just slightly less powerful than the mega powerful ones. They help and serve the Valar. Very few Maiar are named because they tend not to reveal themselves to the children of Iluvatar. There are two Maiar who are considered chief among them. First is Ilmare, who is the handmaid to Varda, the Queen of the Stars. It's curious that she's called chief among the Maiar because that's literally all the information we have about her. Second is Eanwe, who is the herald and banner-bearer of Manwe. Eanwe is the most skilled and mighty in arms of anyone in Arda. The Maiar that elves know best are called Ose and Uinen, who are married vassals of Olmo, Lord of Waters. Ose doesn't go in the deep water. He is instead master of the water that washes upon the shores, and he loves Manwe's winds because he delights in waves and storms. Uinen, Ose's wife, is called the Lady of the Seas, and she loves all the creatures in the ocean. Sailors pray to her because she can restrain her husband's wildness and calm rough waters. The ancient Numenorean men, who were great mariners and explorers, loved and revered Uinen as much as they did the Valar. During the furnishing of Middle-earth, Melkor tried to turn Ose to his service, promising him all the power of Olmo if he did so. Ose accepted, and he caused the waves to make ruin to the lands, but Uinen restrained Ose and brought him before Olmo, who pardoned him. Ose remains faithful to Olmo, but he still loves the violence of the seas, so mariners and those who live by the sea love him, but do not trust him. Melian is a Maya, who serves Vanna the Everyung and Este the Healer. She tends to the flowers in the gardens of Lorien and teaches the nightingales to sing before she moves to Middle-earth. 
There, she falls in love with an elf king called Elway, and we'll talk about them quite a lot later on. But the quick bullet points are that she is a close ancestor of Elrond, and therefore both Arwen and all Numenorean men, and more importantly, she teaches Galadriel how to make Lembus bread. Olorin, which was Gandalf's name before he was made into a wizard, was called the wisest of the Maiar, thanks to the time he spent studying under Nienna. Even while he was still a Maya, he traveled Middle-earth and stealthily, without taking physical form, encouraged wisdom in the hearts of the elves he came across. Finally, we'll talk about the enemies of the Valar. First among them, of course, is Melkor, but no one uses that name after he murders the High King of the Elves, and that's really only the start of his grand evil tour. He is known thereafter as Morgoth, the dark enemy of the world. He was mightiest among the Ainur, but his arrogance turned into contempt for everything but himself, and he became a shameless liar and manipulator. He began with the desire of light, but when he could not possess it for himself alone, he descended through fire and wrath into a great burning down into darkness. As we mentioned in the first Deep Lore episode, some Maiar who were drawn to Morgoth when he was glorious stayed loyal to him throughout his downfall. Others he corrupted afterwards to his service with lies and treacherous gifts. Dreadful among these spirits were the Valaraukar, the scourges of fire that in Middle-earth were called the Balrogs, demons of terror. And of course, the most infamous of Morgoth's servants is Gorthaur the Cruel, better known as Sauron. He was once a Maya of Aule, but turns to Morgoth's service, and he is only considered less evil than Morgoth because for a time he did an evil internship instead of being evil for himself. But in after years he rose like a shadow of Morgoth and a ghost of his malice, and walked behind him on the same ruinous path down into the void. Tolkien did us the favor of ranking the Valar based on Dragon Ball Z power level, and those rankings are thus. For the boys, Manwe, Olmo, Aule, Orome, Mandos, Lorien, and Tolkas. For the gals, Varda, Yavanna, Nienna, Este, Vire, Vana, and Nessa. And that's the whole Valaquenta. If you made it to this point, I am very proud of you. That's going to be it for this episode of Speak, Friend, and Enter Deep Lore. If you liked what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Those reviews really help people find the show. If you have a question about the Valaquenta or about anything Lord of the Rings related, please email us at speakfriendpod at gmail.com. You can check out our Twitter at speakfriendpod for official pod stuff. And my personal Twitter is at AskIstwin, that's I-S-T-W-E-N. We'll have a regular episode up for you next week, and after that, in the next episode of Deep Lore, we'll get into the Silmarillion proper, and talk about the beginning of days, the creation of Middle-earth as we know it, and the making of the two trees of Valinor. Until next time, Muhu Turgizu Turguskin. May your beard continue to grow.